Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they did they 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 took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry. Here is the groom. Come out and meet him. Then all those virgins rose, trimmed their lamp, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our oil, our, our lamps are running, are, are running out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will be not enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was shut. Afterwards, the other virgins came and also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore. For you know neither the day nor the hour. This morning, MacGav, I want to just share with you the theme of keep the lamp, lamp lit. And so I have a lamp here that I'm going to light that will remain lit while I preach. And I'm going to talk about that in a minute. John Wesley, the... Uh, the founder of what is now known as the United Methodist Church, was asked what he would do if he knew his Lord would return at this time the next day. He said something to this effect. I would go to bed. I would go to sleep. I would wake up the next morning and I would go on with my work for I would want him to find me doing what he anointed me to do. That is the way we are supposed to live in preparation for the future. Uh, there is a balance in the Christian life between knowing that Christ will come back tomorrow, uh, but at the same time living as if he may not come back in our lifetime. If we are going uh, if we aren't careful, we can go to the extreme on either end, and that will cause a problem. Here's an example out of the book of First Thessalonians, of the fourth and the fifth uh, chapter. Paul writes uh, about the, the Lord's return uh, was near, and so Christians in Thessalonica should live with that in mind, but apparently some of them thought since the Lord's coming was so near, they could quit their jobs. They could sit at their homes fasting and praying and watching for the sky, for the clouds to just start to roll back as Jesus uh, would return. Paul heard about what was going on in this church in Thessalonica. So he wrote the second book of Thessalonians, to tell them, to remind them that, yes, you need to worry or, or be concerned and be prepared for uh, the coming of our Lord. But you know what? It may not happen in your lifetime. So don't 
don't don't mess this up. Don't get this twisted. You have to you have to prepare, be prepared for the returning of the Lord. And we must lay this as a foundation and, 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 and continue the, the fighting the good fight in, for the future generations. This is what this text at its heart is getting after. The parable I read uh, uh, opens with a familiar phrase. The kingdom of heaven will be like this. Jesus is about to teach something when you hear him open up in this phrase. The kingdom is like uh, the whole scene portrayed in this, this tale, this parable of the ten virgins. The banquet itself is a, a symbolic imagery of uh, eschatological uh, messianic, and that is a big church word for the party that is going to happen. Eventually, the importance of a typical wedding banquet, however, would not be lost on the people of the day in the first century. Wedding festivals typically lasted seven days and the possession of the bride and the groom marked the beginning of that great event. In this story, it is a it is expected that the bride, the bridemaids would wait the arrival of the bridegroom and meet him with a procession of light in the midst of the darkness. And presumably the bridesmaids are waiting either at the bride's home or at the groom's home where the event will be happening. But their jobs is to be prepared for when that groom comes so that they can light the way uh, going forward. See, I I can talk about uh, uh, what it means to be wise and foolish. And if truth be told, that's where I started this week when I started reading and studying this text. I thought it would be almost a simple thing. I even had the, the scenarios in mind that I would use to, to display wisdom and foolishness. But God has something else in mind for today. Hello. I want us to consider the lamp the light and the oil. So let's start with the, the lamp. See, lamps are a, a symbol of guidance. Uh, the guidance uh, 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 of parents is like a, a lamp. Proverbs twenty twenty seven says uh, a person's soul is the Lord's lamp. It searches, it searches his entire innermost being. God's word is also compared with uh, being a lamp that gives light. See, in, in ancient times, lamps were usually made of pottery shaped in uh, 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 like a shell or, 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 or a cross or, or, you know, and it had a long wick at one end. The lamps of Christians were decorated with Christian symbols. They were empowered with olive oil uh, uh, to fuel the, uh, the, the light from the lamp. In Jesus' day, the most common lamp was a, was a wheel shape, and these stayed lit for five hours. 
the foolish versions in Jesus' parable didn't plan ahead to bring enough fuel to refill their lamps after the five hours were up because they didn't know when the groom was coming. But but here's the thing. I, I want us to consider uh, uh, lamps in terms of worship. What it means or what has it meant it would worship the most frequent imagery of lamps in, in the Bible refers to uh, the time of worship. Uh, there was a there was a, a lampstand that has seven branches uh, that what stood in the tabernacle and it was lit the whole time. It remained lit as a as a symbol of God's protection and a symbol of God's constant guidance. Right. The, uh, the 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 enduring lamp is a metaphor of God's covenant, his blessing on uh, for David. It was a blessing on his dynasty, his promise to be uh, with him and to lead him. See, God, uh, God uh, uses imagery and symbols to help us better understand what he's doing for us. Proverbs 6.23 says, for, for the command is a lamp and the teaching is a light. Guidance from a lamp. Right? In Psalms 119.105, many of you heard this verse before. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. See, God is about wanting to lead us and guide us forward in, with our lives. I want to read just an excerpt of an article uh, I came across as I was considering this, this, this thought process of keeping our lamps lit. So forgive me, I'm going to read just a, just a little bit here. On my desk at home sits a beautiful old lamp made of red painted glass. It dates from the late 19th century when it was an oil lamp before being wired for electricity. It looks like it has been broken more than once, but it has nonetheless survived over a hundred years. Now, I, I am not a, an aquarium, but this lamp is special. It has been in my family ever since my great-great-grandmother, Einar Clinton, uh, bought it. And after passing through several hands, it has come down to me, illuminating my office as I write this article. Ina was born a slave in Franklin County, Virginia, in the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains in 1833 on the plantation of Harvey Clayton. She had light skin and straight hair, and many suggested she was Harvey's daughter. Her mother was of mixed race, named Mariah. Ina lived to be, to, to be nearly 80 years old. She bore 14 children and was able to buy a farm. While she certainly bought it years after emancipation, I nonetheless like to think that through her, this lamp connects me to my family's and American and America's slave past. See, this lamp that I, I lit this morning 
is a reminder for me. I want to remember the importance of having a guide, a, a conductor on, 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 on my life's railroad. This lamp has no importance to anyone other than myself. Having spent my life searching of and finding the only one that could give me guidance, purpose, and freedom, a lamp can be a reminder Here's the second. We have the lamp and we have the light. So let's look at what the light can potentially mean for us. See, in the Bible, uh, light was always a symbol of holiness and goodness and knowledge and wisdom, grace and hope. It, uh, God's revelation. By contrast, darkness has an association with evil and sin and despair. So light, in effect, represents life. It poses uh, uh, to darkness, representing death. Light always involves the removal of darkness. In the unfolding history of the biblical history of theology, light equates to uh, light equates to life, removing that which brings despair or darkness. See, the importance of light and darkness is dramatically present in the opening uh, sections of, of the Bible in Genesis. In response to the darkness that was was over the surface of the deep, God spoke. Light came into being. Darkness and light uh, uh, is this imagery that it takes place. If you look at it in the Hebrew, it is the deep meaning that takes place. Darkness invokes everything that is anti-God and wicked. Proverbs 2.13 says, who, who have left the straight paths to walk in dark ways? How is light or life being displayed? And I just want to offer quickly just three aspects of light. The first one, light of truth. Right. It, uh, uh, light in the Bible stands for spiritual illumination and truth in our lives. It encompasses all that that is pure and good. Psalms 119.05, uh, as I said, a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. It guides us. Uh, 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 it guides us in following the commands throughout our lives. Right. It's, it's the truth portrayed before us. It brings clarity to a situation just like light shining from above. Light is important to who we are and how we ought to live. Paul tells us uh, that God shines, God shines light on us, our human hearts. First Corinthians four or five bring to light. What is hidden in the dark and reveal people's motives? Light can also be of blessing. Right. Second Samuel, David, David uh, sings a song connecting light with God's deliverance. Oh, Lord, you're you are my lamp. The Lord turns my darkness into light, singing 
singing before his Lord, understanding that without his Lord, his world is dark. And as he as he continues to discover who God is over and over, that darkness is removed. And that brings us to the third one. The light of the world. Isaiah prophesied centuries before the Messiah's coming was was like like dawn, dawning. And and, uh, 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 he wanted people to understand that the coming of the Messiah was like the dawn coming into into uh, reality. See, this symbolism harks back to the light of God's presence in the pillar of the fire and the lamp of the temple. Then it was a sign of something to come with Jesus' arrival on the reality of what was present. You know, all those years back, as as we listened this morning to to that, uh, that spiritual trim your lamps, it reminded me of slaves running away. A dark lantern meant it was too dangerous to stop. A lit lantern meant that, uh, that it was safe for escaped slaves to rest at that place for the night. Such a single lantern was important for escaped slaves who were often forced to sleep outdoors with no tent and bedding while on the Underground Railroad. They usually left in the middle of the night, often carrying little more than the knowledge that moss grows on the north side of trees. There was about 100,000 slaves between 1830 and the, and the end of the Civil War in 1865 who chose to embark on this journey in the midst of darkness just looking for the light, right? They, they carried with them the fear of being killed or recaptured and returned and beaten as an example of what would happen to others who might choose to run, yet others chose to run, to free themselves from bondage, to be released from the darkness that, that surrounded them in slavery. Their only hope being the next light in the darkness, which meant another step towards freedom. See, as Christ followers, we are meant to carry the light into into our families and on our jobs and in our communities and into every situation of our time. We are meant to dispel the darkness of the day. Our light should not be hidden. Matthew 5, 15 and 16 says, Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. My brothers and sisters, we are meant to be a shining light, a 
speaking that should not be hidden. When we hear about darkness in all kinds of forms, injustice, in the way that people respond to one another, our light ought to shine and remove that darkness. We have the, the lamp, the light, and lastly, the oil. Oh, this is the best point of the message. So I hope that you are sitting awake right now. See, the oil is the power. The oil that fills the cavernous void of the lamp. This oil is what ignites the flame and gives the light. Uh, uh, among more than 200 times that oil is mentioned in the Bible, it is connected to the metaphor of the Holy Spirit. The presence and the action uh, is clear in the ritual of anointing prophets and kings and priests. Now, I'm not saying that every reference in the Bible about oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Uh, but I am saying that every reference to anointing applies to a plea for the Spirit's action. Right. It, 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 as in consecration and in healing or in revelation of the spirit's presence to empower individuals, you and I, as like prophets, priests and kings and ministers, which we are all, as it says in the Bible, ministers of the gospel. See, the metaphor of oil, the invisible, the visible and tangible liquid poured upon and absorbed by human beings tell of the invisible presence and action of the Holy Spirit. If right, if I'm even close to being right, then every reference to Jesus as Christ, the anointed one, refers to his necessity association with the Spirit. The biblical uh, association of oil with light uh, in, in oil and lamps is a good fit with the spirit's work, which is revealed and illuminates God and his word in us and through us. The metaphor of oil indicates the continuity of the Holy Spirit's abiding presence and action between Jesus and us, we, the Christ followers. In John, it, it gives reference to this. You have an anointed, you have, you have an anointing from the Holy Holy One. You and I have an anointing from the Holy One. The anointing which, which you receive from Him abides in you. The anointing that we receive from Jesus Christ, His work on the cross, His death and resurrection abides in us. His anointing teaches us all things. See, always, always in view uh, to carrying this theology is the, is the metaphor of oil, which uh, with the with its idea of light healing. Mm. If you if you have a moment today, I want to challenge you to read Psalms 92. Psalms 92 is uh, for people in, going through transition. If, if you if, once you read it, you will see that it's talking about a Sabbath day. 
Uh, it is a song. This particular psalm was written primarily to sing on the Sabbath day. So why the Sabbath day? The Sabbath day is a day of rest, as you and I know. Oftentimes we don't take, but we know it. We ought to experience it as well. It is a day set apart for worship, but it is also a day of transition. On the Sabbath, you are leaving one period behind and preparing for a new period. On the Sabbath, you say goodbye to yesterday as you look forward to and greet tomorrow. It is a day of change, a time of preparation. Verse 10 of that 92nd Psalm says, uh, 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 you have poured over me fresh oil. Fresh oil means a new season. Why fresh oil? It isn't because uh, there is anything wrong with yesterday's oil, the anointing. It, 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 it was perfect for that season. Right. But where? entering into a new season and every new appointment requires a fresh anointment of God. Oh, amen. All by myself. Acts 13, 9 says this. Then Saul, who we know as Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit. The Greek context indicates not just he was filled, but that he was being filled, that he was getting a fresh anointing from the Holy Spirit. When Paul faced situations unlike anything he had faced before and with, with the sorcerers staring in his face, he received a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit to, to do what was needed in that moment. Paul didn't rely on his past filling. He relied on a new filling, a fresh pouring out of the Holy Spirit. Let me just share. I just want you to see if you can encapsulate in your mind what a fresh, uh, comforting, uh, new outpouring of the Holy Spirit might be like. So forgive me for the frailty of this example. But as I thought about this, I under, for me, it grabbed my attention. Right. I want to tell you that I love a good bowl of grits. Uh, it, it comforts me. I, I got to tell you that when I sit down with a warm bowl of grits and as I feel it hit my tongue, as I feel it roll back into back uh, into my throat and as I feel it go down, I get this warm sensation from a good bowl of grits. Now, many of you may not like grits and that's OK. You picture for yourself. What is that thing that brings a refreshing comfort to you? You got that picture? Hold on to that picture. Now, what I would like you to do is take that picture of that refreshing comfort, multiply it by about 2,500 or so, and you begin to get the picture uh, of a fresh oil of the Holy Spirit. Oh, can you see it? See, there is an anointing reserved for these current days. We can receive fresh oil. See, God knows what problems lie ahead and he is prepared to release what is needed. Amen. Uh, refuse discouragement. Refuse uh, dis being dismayed. 
be prepared. All who walk with God do so in his supernatural, his supernatural abilities, his supernatural enablement of us. Let me let me kind of wrap this up for us. Here's my question to you. How are you doing at keeping watch, keeping the lamp, the lamp lit? when Jesus was in the garden with his disciples and told them that I'm going to go over here and pray. Will you stay here and pray with me and for me? And as he returned, he found his disciples asleep and he said to him, couldn't you stay awake for for even a moment in this moment? See, first Corinthians two five says this so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. Paul in the Corinthians is talking about the the Christ, the risen Christ, the crucified Christ, that all of our focus and attention ought to remain on Christ. Don't put any attention on the wisdom of humanity, but on the power of God. See, this week, the people of Texas woke up on the bad side of the Ten Virgins situation. They they thought they were prepared. They thought they had enough power. They thought someone was keeping watch. This week, lean into the power of God. Uh, uh, You may ask, how long must I wait in the midst of this pandemic? Not long with the with our faith in the power of God. How long must I wait dealing with the confusion on my job or the lack of a job? Not long with the, with faith in the power of God. How long must I wait uh, with people speaking untruths about me? Not long with the power of God. How long must I watch the wisdom of man succeed? Not long with the power of God. See, my flame is lit. And with the power of God on my side, every step I take, every word I speak, every person I serve, every action I take will know the glorious victory of God. I may not know the hour or the day, but I have blessed assurance. This is my song. This is my story. I will praise my Savior all the day long. This is my song story. This is my song praising my Savior all the day long. How long, O Lord, not long, prepared and empowered by God. Glory to God. This morning, you may have found that you have been asleep or that you have fell asleep on your spiritual job. I want to give you the opportunity to come to God. His, he stands ever before us with his arms outstretched. Confess your need for him. Confess uh, that you have been living in darkness. Confess your need of a savior, a savior that wants to lovingly journey with you to wholeness, redemption, restoration and renewal. Let that be a mighty prayer in Jesus name. Let me close us in prayer. Father God, we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. 
Oh, Father God, we give you praise and honor and glory. God, this morning, someone somewhere in the, in, in the range of my voice whew, may have gotten lost in the darkness, may have been living in the darkness. God, we pray that you would allow your holy presence to come before them, that they would understand and receive you as their Lord and Savior, that they would turn from the things that was moving them into darkness and that they would enjoy your marvelous light, Lord God. Father, I pray for those individuals that return home to you this morning to be their Lord. Father, I pray that this word that you have allowed me to roll from my tongue would settle into the hearts of your people. God, that they would understand that the lamp, the light, and the oil are for us a symbol of your presence, a reminder of your love, a call to us to move into the world, shining the light that you shine into us. Help us to remember, Lord God, the blessings from you is not just blessing for us, but blessing that moves in us and through us to others. I pray this in the mighty name of my Lord, my Savior, my hero, my Christ. Amen.